Welcome to Silence is Cancelled. My name is Sid McGregor. I'm one of the co-founders of A Way Through. A Way Through is a nonprofit organization that opens doors uh, to mental and emotional wellness. One of the ways we do that is by providing access to therapy uh, for anybody who, who, who wants it and anybody who needs it. So if you or someone you love is in need of help, please visit our website at waythrough.org and let us help you find your way through. In this episode, we wanted to share with you uh, our story and how A Way Through came to be. Uh, we filmed uh, this conversation or we recorded uh, this conversation with our co-founders, uh, Andrew, Chris, and Jackie over the summer out in LA. And they just shared their unique connection and the journeys that brought them uh, together. So uh, I hope you enjoy it and let's take a listen. Remember that day? So how, um, we, how, did, how did we start? How did we get this thing going? How do we get to this point? Okay, so if I think back um, to where it began, I remember getting off work, watching a video, and just being distraught after watching the video. It was the video of George Floyd's murder. And I remember thinking, what the heck? Like, all this time of you know, color lines, we're all the same, just work really hard, be a really good person. Um, I'm in the middle of a doctorate degree and yet still we're being murdered in the streets. So I remember being really angry and disappointed and disheartened and angry. And so I thought I had a class to teach the next week. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to start Multicultural Perspectives. And I thought, I can't, I don't think I can teach this class appropriately. I don't mm -hmm. think I can go into the room and not be angry. Yeah. And I knew I had to say some things publicly. And so I, I wrote a very long text message to some important people in my life to say, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. I'm really upset. I'm really angry with you all for not fixing it. And at the same time, I also felt responsible for people not knowing how bad it really is. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. growing up, we're taught not to scare the white people. Mm. Right? So you don't say not, not to scare the white people. <laughs> Grandma always said, don't scare the white people. And so we don't say anything. We just, we do our life. We try to stay out of trouble. We try to be good people. Um, the whole American dream thing. And I felt let down and... I was angry, I think a lot of my anger came from the fact that I have so many white friends who I know love me, who I love. However, they weren't seeing this problem. And if mm. they were, they won't, yeah. weren't doing anything about yeah. it. And so I was, I was angry. Um, so I sent out a few text messages saying, if you don't follow me on social media, please don't, mm. because it's about to get real. Mm. And I have hit a point at which I'm no longer willing to be uncomfortable so that other people can be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So from now on, if it hurts, I'm going to say so. If it, if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to say it. If it feels like racism, I'm going to say it. If it's a microaggression, which are those little things that make you feel like, was that racism? No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they're just trying to be nice. And we then talk ourselves out of that. But because we continue to do that, um, and we stay silent about how offensive it actually is, people continue to do it not knowing 
that is hurtful. And that's it. You're seeing the buildup of the hurt and the hurt and the pain. And I remember sitting with one of my therapists, Jasmine, who is a black female. And there just seemed to be something different. Uh, different isn't the right word. More intense with George Floyd. It's like it hit a tipping point. Because obviously we've been seeing this. I mean, if we're eyes wide open for over 400 years. But this particular incident did something to her that I saw is 100% a trauma response. She is carrying this pain inside of her. It was our brother, our father, our husbands, our cousins, our grandfather. And I remember feeling something inside shatter. Yeah. And I was like, I, I can't put it back together. I don't know. Whatever it was that kept me not saying, I hate this. No, we're not free. No, um, we haven't gone as far as everybody says we've gone. Um, whatever that was that kept that tide back yeah. broke. Well, and I remember, you know, cause I, I talked to Jasmine and, and I asked her, I'm like, can we have this conversation in a more public forum? And to her credit, she had a proper boundary and said, I'm not ready for that. And so, but I knew as a white man, I needed to, I needed to have the conversation because something was happening in me that I felt, I didn't feel racist, but I felt complicit. Come to find out, not being racist is really not an option. You know, I, there, I've, I've learned a lot since then. But that's when I called you up because I saw your posts and I knew our relationship. And then we started talking about the trauma that was happening intergenerationally, racially, all around us. And that's, and so for me, it was entering into really uncomfortable conversations, entering into spaces where I had to say things that I was afraid of. And that led to beginning of a podcast, Silence is Canceled. But really, we were sitting there and having this conversation of like, wait a second, a podcast for podcast's sake already exists right. all over the right. place. What is the actual purpose? And what we were seeing is that the people who were traumatized, the people that are carrying around their unseen and unheard and unhealed pain aren't getting the help that they need. And us working in, you know, as therapists in the mental health field, we're just like, we can't cure everything. We can't solve all these problems, but we can do something. Yeah, we can get people talking. Yes. Right? We had been conditioned to be silent about our pain. Mm -hmm. to be silent about our problems, to just work harder and be better. And, and that's not even just in terms of the race and the social justice issues. Generationally, we've all experienced trauma. Yes. Whether yeah. it's white body trauma or black body trauma, whether it's power, more powerful white body trauma, um, being blown through less powerful white bodies, that's trickling down. And so we've just kept silent about it. And, and then we attack each other without necessarily even knowing it. Well, and the truth is, is that all, pain is like our entrance fee onto planet Earth, right? We're all going to experience it at one, sign, uh, one turn or another, one experience or another. But the pain that remains unhealed and unresolved starts acting itself out in our lives. So you and I know that really well. See, that last summer, while you guys are are observing like the rest of us, right? Like all of us mm -hmm. and, and, and 
beginning this conversation with each other, I I was kind of in a space where like I'm seeing this, but I I kept myself intentionally distant from it for a couple of reasons. One is I didn't, I mean, I have an activist lifestyle or Mm -hmm. or life career behind me. And I was watching all these new young activists rise up and that was really powerful. And I was really sort of proud of this new movement. but also personally, I'd gone through some of my own pain yeah. and, and I was like, okay, I don't have the energy or the wherewithal to really dive in and, and nor do I have right now at least the thick skin to deal with uh, putting posts out and, mm-hmm. and doing things because it always comes back, you know, in different ways. And so there was some legitimate self-care in there. But in that, I was also thinking through like, this is a big deal, like, I, I should have a voice in this and I should have questions and I should have conversation. Uh, but there was that tentative nature that, that I was nurturing a bit to self-care and also realizing other voices need to be speaking as well. Uh, I was on a road trip um, from Colorado out to New York to, to record music. And uh, we were talking about you know what to do with music and because my own sort of therapeutic history I was like, okay, I think I want to start an organization down the road that helps people get access to, to therapy, the access that I... Because uh, that's like the common thread. You know, right. we're working in therapy, also benefiting from therapy. You're getting yeah. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but so many people can't afford it. And I wasn't really linking that to the racial conversation going on. I just knew that people needed help. Um, it wasn't an exclusive thing. It was just like, there's people everywhere that need help. And they can't afford it. And so what can I do? And it was for me like this thing that was going to happen way out there. Like I was totally yeah. like, all right, when I make it big in music, that's when I'm going to use some of that money and start my foundation. Right. And um, a friend of mine asked me one day, she was like, when have you ever waited to have money to start something important? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. yeah, OK, good point. And um, so I just started doing a little bit of research, but that was that was about it. That was what I was doing while you guys were having these intense well, conversations. Well, what's interesting is like I have like a million ideas, but an inch of progress, uh-huh. right? And and so as Jackie and I are having this conversation, we've never started a nonprofit organization before. We don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. We were thinking about we're going to have a podcast because the two of us got on and we had a great conversation where we were just open and honest and asking questions and challenging the status quo. And we're like, we could do this with other people. We need to bring people mm-hmm. in and let the world start to hear other people's stories. Because the problem is we can't sit across the table from each other and be different. Yes. One or yeah. the other is pretending like everything's okay mm-hmm. and we agree. And that's how we get so far divided. And, and so, how do we create the curate the space for these honest conversations that right. are scary, but but at least we can be safe. And they're necessary. We've yes. been we've been conditioned to not speak up, to not say anything, and all that's done is keep us trapped in our pain. But but speaking of the trapped in the pain, like you're seeing, Andrew, is that we're we're seeing that many people are, and there is help available. Right. So we we rather than just putting this podcast out and then saying, thank you for telling us your really right. sad story. <laughs> that was not entertaining at all. Have a nice day. Right. Yeah. Have a nice day. We we stopped and we said, well, we can't do we need a nonprofit. Yeah. We need to be able to raise money and get donations so that people who come on and tell us their story, the least we can do is help them get some care. Yeah. And then. Well, and then. uh 
I, I have a friend in England who we talk a lot about, you know, trauma and stuff like this. And, and he posted something online on Suicide Prevention Day. And just because of the time difference in, in, in England and then coming over. So when I woke up that morning, I saw my friend's post and I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was this is a thing today. And, and I thought about it. And through my own experience and then uh, experience of, of, of losing someone close to me i was like okay i'm gonna record something and so i sat down and just recorded uh i don't know two or three minutes of mm -hmm. just some thoughts and stuff and i did put out there if you were like hey one of my goals one of my thoughts is to to create an organization down the road that will help people get help and, and that was really about the extent of it what i really wanted to do is say it's okay to talk about this please mm -hmm. god can we talk about this because i'm tired of losing people yeah and and so yeah i just put out there yeah and someday through music through whatever uh i'm going to be a part of starting something uh, that um uh, will get people help and i don't know four or five six hours later that day I get a phone call from Chris Williams on my phone. I'm like, man, I haven't talked to him in like years, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and um, I, I had a feeling right away knowing your work that this probably had something to do with the my video. post, yeah. but I had no idea it was gonna be this. I just thought, oh, Chris just wants to check in and, and make sure I'm okay. And I was like, that's cool. And, I, and so I picked up and I, I don't know what you saw and what you thought or what you were doing when you saw it, but that's how I kind of got connected in this, this well, part conversation. Of, part of what I was seeing through the pandemic and our quarantine experience, our shutdown experience, is that the mental health issues were increasing at yeah. alarming rates. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously the life-threatening conditions that are created in that. But really what it was, Andrew, is you articulated it in such a personalized but clear way that I really connected with. And there was just that thing inside of me as we were wrestling with how do we do a nonprofit, I knew of your history in yeah. the nonprofit world. Right. And honestly, I was just like, I, I know enough to know what I don't know. Uh -huh. And Andrew knows, I wanna call Andrew and pick your brain about what it would, this idea, and what are things that I need to know to start moving this thing down the road? Yeah, and for me, you know, you told me about Jackie. Obviously, we hadn't met yet, and um, and I was like, okay, there's some differences in our ideas, which mm -hmm. is fine. That's always true, but there's enough parallel, and I started like, wow, this is interesting. Because one of my hesitancies was I didn't want to ever start another organization by myself. Yeah, and um, yeah. Uh, and for a number of reasons, and so you know. Basically, I think we concluded the call like, hey, let's get on a call with Jackie soon and, and just have a conversation. There wasn't any commitments or any, hey, let's do this. It was just like, wow, we got these interesting ideas. And I was, it was helping me because I was looking at the, the racial issues going on around in our country going, okay, this might be a, a way in, if you will, you know, a, a practical and effective way in. Uh, I, I did write a song. Uh, that was inspired by the whole summer, really. And that was a bit of a, a gift, if you will, a contribution, but nothing more than that. And that was kind of bothering me. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, as an activist, I want activism to be effective. Yeah. You know, not yeah. just out there with a megaphone and then you go home. And, and, and so, yeah, it was a really empowering conversation. I don't know how many weeks later that, that we got to. Well, you know, uh, the Suicide Awareness Day is October 1st. Okay. So it was by the end of November that we were saying, hey, let's 
form this and reveal it. Well, even before that though, when we when we met on Zoom, mm -hmm. the three of us, yeah. right? And that's when you and I first, you know, saw each other's face and met. And we, I, I think I remember, we just told each other's, we told yes. our story yeah. to we told each, each other. other yeah. our just to get to know each other. Right. And there wasn't an agenda. There wasn't a, a plan of action. It was just, and it built from there. Uh, and I, I think we did that three or four times where mm -hmm. we just sort of started to unpackage each other a little bit. And it started to come to shape. It started to come um, to life. It became something that was starting to gain energy. Mm -hmm. um, I think our ideas, like you said, they were a little different, but they aligned enough that we could make it work. And what we ended up doing was it was it was including everyone, yeah. right? So yeah. we say we want to serve marginalized, diverse, and underserved populations, Absolutely. and that's. That's inclusive, yeah, right? right? There are there yeah. are underserved populations. Yeah, underserved and under-resourced everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. It's not just a matter of not having um, funding. It's not just a matter of being broke or being poor. Mm -hmm. Well, also too, and uh, you know, we talk about like middle class people can't right. access therapy for you know even the economic reasons just because of the expense, uh, the the insurance institutions, maybe whatever and the thing that we had in common is we wanted to bypass all the red tape <laughs> yes, right. and just how do we direct, whether it's a kid in, in inner city LA mm -hmm. or someone- Or a kid in Cota de Casa. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where that yeah. is, but- uh, it's, it's yeah. South Orange County. You know, um, or one of, my, one of my players in Golden Colorado, mm -hmm. Colorado yeah. you know, and, and just to get people help. And then in that sort of arena, ha have a conversation about race and and and, identity and ethnicity and and i think the powerful thing for me or one of the powerful things is us yes. <laughs> just the dynamic you know um just you know i'm mixed race black father white mother you know from england uh you know african-american woman white guy and we get mm -hmm. to model and live this out and i really have enjoyed even I won't ever call them uncomfortable, but real conversations yeah. where I'm like, can yeah. I say this or can I think this or can I, can I, um, or my question about this and because it's safe, yeah. because there's yeah. a relationship and there's uh, a recognition that we know each other's heart. Right. Um, and, and I think beneath all of that is our own work. Yeah. You know, is that each of us have had access to be able to look and heal from some of our pains to work on for myself some of my depression and anxiety and historical traumas and, and, and addictive issues that were, were continuing to hijack but that work itself allowed me at least to have the conversation and feel less threatened right. you know and 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 also for you guys to be able to create a safe environment for that to happen and the safe environment to disagree right same there's i you know i'm, I'm a black woman and, and in my culture we were taught that we don't go out and tell anybody our business and so therapy is just not something that's really all that common mm -hmm. and growing up in the inner city it's certainly not something that's that common unless you are in trouble right so the therapist represents the system mm, yeah and so you, yeah. you don't tell the system anything that could get you taken out of your home right or um 
So, so therapy in that context is a threat, it's a threat, not a benefit. Right. Yeah. Is it seen as a weakness? Like, like I would say in, in the communities that I've run in, like in the past, it's like, you know, there must be something wrong with you. So yeah. you're, you're going yeah. to get something fixed, right. which yeah. in itself, there's probably some truth in that, but it was seen, it was that stigma of, oh, you're, you're, you're not all together. Well, you're weak and you should have a stronger mind and you should be able to control whatever the situation yeah. is. Yeah. You shouldn't need someone to help you through it. Well, there's this sort of cloud of shame right. over yeah. struggling mentally. Right. 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 Being in the military, one of the things we would hear is suck it up. Mm -hmm. Right. Be a man, be a woman, be tough. And growing up, same thing. We had to be strong. You, if someone saw you cry, that was a weakness. And, and strong being defined as non-emotional. Non-emotional, not telling anyone you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Just living your life as though everything's fine, everything's normal, everything's okay, even though you're living in a home where you're being terrorized. So it was this conversation that we kept having, right? And I remember just like, I don't remember what it was, but we had a meeting plan was it somewhere in November and we all got on it and I was like, okay, like we can keep having this conversation, <laughs> yeah. but if we want to do something, let's do it. And for me, the thinking was end of year, you know, it's a time of, of giving and, mm -hmm. and people donate. And I was like, okay, we could do something. And, and uh, I think I remember putting out to, to you too, hey, if there's something we want to do, there's some official things we need to yeah. do and, and start building. And, Together, we chose the date of December 1st to, to sort of reveal ourselves mm -hmm. to the world. Uh, we we uh, went through a process of, of getting a name uh, and and building a website. Um, and, you know, that's when this team started to come together. I, I think that that's the key, is that once we made that step, a tangible step in the direction of this is real. Yeah. Um, that we get is the initial beginnings of an organization with an ability to generate some resources, there seemed to be a magnetism, well, a, like a gravitational pull. Well, because when you guys were talking, I was in New York talking with Sid mm -hmm. and, and talking about some of these issues, but really we're focused on music. And then uh, Sid connected me with Joe, and that was sometime in August, I think he and I got on the phone. and. Again, they were just trying to help me with music. And, and but then I remember saying to both Sid and Joe, I was like, I just had this conversation with Chris and I met Jackie. Does this connect? And they're like, absolutely, it connects. And, 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 and the connection really is, to be clear, is that there's too many people without access to mental and emotional well, wellness resources yeah. that need it. Right, like the thing we decided to do was tell these stories, just like we wanted to yeah. do in the podcast, just like you want to do in your music, yeah. so that people will realize that we, we, don't, we shouldn't be ashamed of our experiences. And we need each other. We heal in relationship. We want to make it comfortable, or at least safe, for people to start talking about what's going on in their life so that we can get them to the help that they need. Yeah, and ultimately, that they can walk through the door of the help that could change their life, potentially save their life. Absolutely. And that's what we all sort of knew. And what we didn't have is that sort of codified into a mission statement yes, and an exactly. organizational structure. And, you know, I remember in December, just like, all right, you know, we're incorporated. Uh, we had our 501c3 process going and we raised some money to get us started. 
by the end of the year and we brought Diana in and, mm -hmm. and she, she led us through the mission statement and the values process. Susan getting us a social media presence that made us look like we knew what was going on, you know, and, and Asia with admin. <laughs> oh, um, obviously Joe and, and what he brought as far as some leadership and guidance and just all these people that just sort of kept coming you, in. You know, each of these names represent for me two things. Yeah. A heart for what we're doing, but an amazing gifting. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. That like, here's these super gifted people that are really gravita gravitating towards this mission that we're on. Yeah, because let's face it, we couldn't have done this on our own. Absolutely not. And, and I think that as everybody has kind of shown up and fallen into place and done the thing that they do, I realize every time a new person enters into the team and they fit so well, they bring exactly what we didn't know we didn't have, mm -hmm. but we need it. At it just that at that time it just feels it's it's more and more of a confirmation for me that this this was going to happen with or without us yes i'm grateful yes. we get to be a part of it yeah, absolutely because how we came up with and came up with but we didn't really come up with anything meaning that like we saw that this was a movement yeah. and it's sort of like get in the movement or get out of the way yeah. and but we also know that if it's going to be a movement we've got to have people a part of the movement. And it's got to be a collaboration of many people that are passionate about the same thing. Yeah, and the work that's happened, you know, we, we revealed in December 1st, I don't, I think I remember like, all right, July 1st, we'll launch. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It seems so, so far away. Seven or eight months, whatever that was, and here we are. We got time. It's July yeah. 2nd, you know, 2021, and we have launched, we have structure, we have uh, digital presence, we have a staff, we have uh, funding. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, but therapists can, can connect with the movement and join. People who need help can, can come to the website and join. And, and there's other things we wanna do, like you know, we've talked about research and scholarships and, and really connecting in, in especially under-resourced communities and, and breaking stigma and telling stories. But it's, yeah, we, we've both driven this as well as got, uh, been along for well, the Well, yeah, ride. kind of followed, <laughs> you know, followed the so, noise, yeah. followed our nose where yeah. it was leading. Yeah. And, and I want to go back to something I think was important, at least for me and my process here, is that I kept thinking, especially as a therapist in private practice and having a group practice, that the, the pain point is, is that I, I'm fully aware that I've priced out much of the population. For most of my career so far, I've priced out myself. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of bananas. Like that's weird, a weird space to be in. And also knowing that there is a justice part of this, that, that therapy in really good spaces is a privilege for the few. And I'm like, how is there, is there a way we can make it a right for the many? Which for me meant financial resources. And certainly that's true and it's, it's at the heartbeat of what we're doing. But our conversations, those Friday mornings, week after week after week, coming together, grinding it out, talking it out, you guys really helped me see that stigma, although it's much better today than it has been, is still alive and well. And when I saw it, I'm like, stigma is killing people. 
It's literally killing people. And therefore, we've got to go after this. We've got to be better storytellers. So at the heartbeat of it, as we're providing both financial resources and therapeutic resources for people, we are providing better stories to break stigma so that truly therapy can be a right for the many instead of a privilege for the few. So you said something that really is, is close to my heart in this when you use the word justice, because mm -hmm. my background in the nonprofit sector, my whole career has been, you know, human rights, international development around, around the world. And it's kind of easy. Well, it's not so easy, but those were issues of justice to me, you know, poverty mm -hmm. and wealth and access to things like water and housing and, and schooling, you know, education and whatnot. And people have asked me, you know, like, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, I still say I'm humanitarian, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a human rights uh, professional. And it, it's taken me a little while, but learning that this is a justice issue as well. Yeah, absolutely. It should be yeah. an access, you know, people should have access to care, just like healthcare. Mm -hmm. And and so for me in, in the evolution of my career, it's been really empowering to go, yeah, I'm still humanitarian. I'm still telling stories. Mm -hmm. I've always believed that stories uh, create empathy and empathy is what changes the world right and and so when you say that it just it just excites me even more because I'm still doing what I've always done but yeah. just in a if you will a, a different I don't want to say direction but a different platform but and I've said this to some friends you know I've gotten to do some really important things in my life and really amazing things uh, this might be I think some of the more important work that I've ever done mm -hmm. because uh, it's underneath everything, you know, yeah. culture yeah. of poverty, a culture of, of, of not having, of not believing that you can have and, and, and not believe you can, and not just material things, but mental health, you know, being of right mind is for someone else, mm. you know, and, yeah. and that um, I've seen in my, not only my own life, but my family's life and, and others around me. And that's that stigma. It's like, oh, it's not for me. You know, I'm too out there, I'm too mm. poor, I'm too um, whatever it is. Right, and I, I think when people, people wonder why we are at the point of talking about stigma when we started out talking about George Floyd's murder, it's because we thought people aren't well. To yes. be able to yeah. do this thing, yeah. Yeah. and then the trauma that it caught causes to stand around and watch that happen feeling so helpless and so unable to make it stop yes and that's generational trauma and it has been passed down and passed down and we continue to get pulled up into the tornado into this cyclone mm -hmm. and that was the catalyst, I think, at least for me, to say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. We have the skills to make a difference. We have to make people listen. Mm -hmm. And in order to give them something to listen to, we have to tell our stories. And so the murder of George Floyd really pushed us to start to talk about the problems we see in the world, which takes us back to the humanitarian piece. Mm -hmm. This is an issue. Everybody is struggling. And we were in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there is going to be a tsunami of mental health issues that are coming. coming They're yes, coming. And, and as mental health professionals and humanitarian professionals, we, we shouldn't sit around and wait for it to come on shore. We needed to get 
ready. And, and I think that that's really what a way through is about mm -hmm. is getting ready for whoever that person is, yeah. whoever comes through our door, whoever contacts us, getting ready to help them find what they need, find the resources, mm -hmm. find the connections, find the therapist that could help save their life. Even find the courage because mm -hmm. you know what? I heard her story. I heard his story. Mm -hmm. And that gives me a, just enough courage to walk through that open door and get help from We themselves. find that solidarity in that. And something you said, Jackie, is that I love this line from the spiritual writer, Richard Rohr. He says, the pain that we do not transform, we transmit. And, and of course, in our offices, we see that acted out in real time all, on a daily basis. And so, a way through exists that everyone has the opportunity to transform their pain rather than transmit their pain. Right, absolutely. It, it also reminds me of, of a quote, uh, a Rumi quote, you know, which is what we're asking people to do. And this is hard. The wound is where the light shines in. Yeah, you know, that's exactly And, right. and we yeah. are asking people to open mm -hmm. their, their soul a bit, but for healing and for healing of themselves, for healing of their relationships, for healing of our communities, uh, indeed our society, right? Because I, I learned this truth, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know, and so that's a, a universal, right? It's not black, <laughs> white, or anything else. Yeah. Hurt people, damaged mm -hmm. people, damage other people. And we have to intervene into those cycles if there's any hope for any of us. And, and, and we, we have believe to stop we saying we're not hurt. Exactly, right? that's it. We I'm are fine, hurt. I'm fine, yeah. I'm okay. No, then, you're actually not then, okay and you're hurting other people because you're transmitting it through yeah. other people. Absolutely, and then where we've decided we're coming, we're coming into your life or anyone's life, including our own, is when you recognize that I'm done hurting both personally and relationally, that now you have access. Yeah. We can help you in that spot. There are no barriers. Exactly. And that takes the excuse. Listen, we are an open door, an, an open door to mental and emotional wellness. And I am really, I think it's one of the honors of my life to get to be with you guys, and <laughs> have, have so this conversation cool. and yes. then work on this team. And I'm so grateful. And uh, there's some amazing things ahead of us. Absolutely. When you think about our values and, and what this work means to us, there are some amazing things ahead of yeah. us. And we've already been surrounded by amazing people. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Right. Love you guys. Love you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed uh, our story, and I hope that it helps you understand our hearts and our values. At A Way Through, we are we're in this movement to break the stigma around mental health and to create access and t telling stories is part of that. And our story and how we came together, that's part of it. Um, if you want to join us, there are three ways you can do that. First, if you need help, you can go to our website, you can click on get help and you can let us help you get on that journey today. If you're a therapist, we we're building a provider network. You can join us. You can provide the help for the people who need it. You can click on give help and let's help open these doors. Uh, if you want to support us financially, you can gift help. Your donation will break stigma and it will create access and it will change someone's life. Guarantee it. You can find us on Facebook. Please follow us there at waythrough.org. As always, stay safe. Let the people around you know they matter. 
please know there is always a way through.